lives to the Lord. He's already made it easy, guys. Had it just been for me or just one of you, he would have bled on that cross and died for your sins. So if you could just imagine taking all your junk and all your problems and worries and troubles and just laying them at the feet of the cross, laying them on this table, he could take your biggest mess and turn it into the biggest message. Amen. So welcome everyone to the table, and this is Tom Weaver from Come to the Table Ministry, and I have a good friend of mine, Sam Black, joining us on the video today, and um, just want to introduce Sam. Uh, Sam, what was it, uh, 2019, when we were introduced back at Dr. Wise's Heart to Heart Counseling Center at some yeah. um, kind of powwow he put together with a bunch of people in the ministry that was a great group. That was an amazing band of people from all spheres. Yeah, it was ministry leaders, counselors, pastors, uh, people who had come through the recovery journey themselves. It was it was a fantastic opportunity. Yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome. It was great to meet you there. A bunch of other guys there. James Reeves. I think we both. I don't know if you knew him before that or not. But no, that was, was the first time I met James. Too. Yeah, awesome time. Good connections there. So I appreciated yeah. that and getting to know you. And over the years, you've been uh, obviously from Covenant Eyes and. You've helped uh, put together some videos for us for our retreat that we did a couple years back and um, just been a good friend since and wanted to bring you on to talk a little bit, number one, about your story. Um, I saw you in the Fearless series that James Reeves was doing for men and appreciated yeah. you sharing your story there. Um, obviously, the great work you're doing at Covenant Eyes and the Victory app and maybe share a little bit more about that. But the big thing is also your book that you came out with not too long ago. And um the Healing Church. Oops, there we go. The Healing Church. What <laughs> churches get wrong about pornography. Can't wait to hear what you have to say about that. So I guess go ahead and share a little bit, Sam, if you wouldn't mind, about how you got into this, what, where you came from in your story, what brought you to Covenant Eyes, and then maybe into the book. Yeah, well, maybe let's start with the book, and then we'll go backwards if that's okay. okay. That's awesome. uh, it's called The Healing Church, What Churches Get Wrong About Pornography and How to Fix It. I think that's a, lot, a big part of that because so we miss in the church, among leadership especially, how impactful this can be on every ministry within the mm -hmm. local church, from children's ministries to teen ministries to adult and marriage ministries. Pornography is undermining every ministry in the local church. So if we're not addressing the issue of pornography and our one in sexual behaviors, we are really missing an opportunity. It's sort of like you're in the mud mm -hmm. and, and you're only gaining so much traction. You're spinning yeah. because uh, you're losing traction because it's undermining factor that's uh, causing that traction to be lost. And that's what pornography is doing to every ministry in the local church. And so often, like my story, is not unique. It's a very common story. You've heard the story over and over, Tom. Oh, yeah. And and uh, it shows, and it's and but it's a good example to help ministry leaders understand how people get stuck, why they mm -hmm. often stay stuck without help, and how the church, how the body of Christ holds the answers to lasting freedom. Not not just sort of this, uh, well, hey, you know, we're going to be okay for a while. I'm, I'm going to maintain or uh, manage this, um, whether you want to call it addiction or compulsive behavior or all what you want, spiritual <laughs> stronghold, whatever it is. Absolutely. People keep going back again and again and again to pornography. So why are they doing that? 
how did they get there in the first place? And so we need to equip our ministry leaders to understand this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And my story is very common, right? I was, it, it begins with, there's three common factors. One, the first seeing pornography at an early age, early mm-hmm. exposure to pornography. Number two, the ongoing use and repetition with pornography use. And number three, some trauma or drama that often happened early in life, but can happen elsewhere as well. Well, I was 10 years old when I first saw pornography, walking out of my home in Florida, and my brother was standing there next to his car uh, with his friend, and they were looking at a magazine sideways, and that just didn't make any sense. <laughs> how can you how can you read sideways? Yeah. And so, <laughs> so I, uh, I said, what are you guys looking at? And they turned it around, and though I grew up in a Christian home, I didn't turn away. I stepped forward. Because every child is naturally curious about what the opposite sex looks like without clothes. Mm. And so, um, and I just told you a whole story about the first time that I saw pornography, right? And Mm. I found that it's so impactful for children seeing pornography at that young age that you ask about any adult about the first time that they saw pornography and they can tell you a full story. Absolutely. Because it's so impactful on that young brain. And we and can, a lot we, of churches, not to, not to interrupt you, but yeah. a lot of churches don't realize the impact of the brain and how it affects us long term. They think of it, eh, maybe it's just a, the choice that we're making. You know, it's, yeah. not, an addict, right? it's not, not the brain that's being affected. Yeah, it is. It is indeed. And we also miss for helping our parents today in the church help protect the next generation. Mm-hmm. That's why I contribute a, a full chapter into the book about what's so special about pornography to a child's brain. In fact, I do that in a couple of chapters, but um, to really, how do we begin equipping parents to begin protecting their kids and helping mm-hmm. them understand that having good conversations about sex and pornography won't make them more curious. It'll actually help you protect them. So mm-hmm. number two, it's the ongoing use and repetition, going back to that brain science, right? Yeah, After you're right. building neural pathways in the brain that crave it more and more. Um, and so uh, I had a friend and his dad had pornography that was falling out of his closet. It sort of looked like mm-hmm. this waterfall. And there, it, just picture your common everyday closet with this uh, shelf up on top, uh, the folding doors that open up and pornography was stacked on this shelf and it was sort of falling over and there's a pile of it on the floor. that's why I say it kind of looks like a waterfall because there's, there's this pool (laughs) of it on the floor as well. I could take anything I wanted and I did. And number three, even though I grew up in a Christian home, it was, my father was very hypocritically violent, raging, Mm -hmm. uh, demeaning. Um, So it was a verbally and physically abusive environment. And so I didn't even realize that I would begin to escape with pornography to anesthetize my emotions, to regulate my moods, how I felt. And so when I felt fear or anger or frustration or lack of self-worth, I could run the pornography as this uh, escape, even though it was temporary. And that would expand to things like boredom or uh, maybe I got bullied at school or maybe something happened at school or I didn't do well on the sport or whatever it was, mm-hmm. I could run to that, that, that little secret salve that no one else had to know about right. because, uh, as a, as a, a child growing up in church, I knew that pornography was wrong mm-hmm. and I threw away my pornography over and over again. <laughs> 
right and this right. This, uh, this is such a, a common last story time. Right? Last <laughs> time, right and so um pornography would follow me from um, middle school to high school to college and in my marriage and i'm probably among the most fortunate men you're going to meet because uh, my wife had begun attending a church now she didn't grow up in church uh and she had met christ through my sister mm. uh and Wow. Through that experience, uh, she uh, began attending a small church in our community uh, with my babies, right? They were <laughs> little <laughs> ones. And, and they were having this marriage class. And they and she asked, hey, would you just attend this with me? I know, and I was like, I know our marriage needs help. I, I've got it. I, I'm going to I, I definitely mm. go to this. And so... Uh, People were raw and honest. In yeah. fact, they would close the classroom door and the facilitators of this class would turn and look at everybody and say, this is a safe place. What is said here stays here. Mm -hmm. And in that kind of environment, people talked about the ugly things that they said to their spouse or thought about their spouse or things that they were <laughs> doing. And it was also in that kind of environment where I discovered that uh, pornography could be a compulsive and addictive. Mm -hmm. And that was a relief. That sounds strange, but that was a relief because that meant you weren't alone. Well, right. Evolution yeah. didn't make me this way. Yeah. And God didn't make me this way. And I didn't have to stay this way. You know, from my secular perspective, my evolution and from my spiritual perspective, the, you know, so I had to come to grips with this. Oh, mm -hmm. I had played a big role in my habituation, my, compulsive use of pornography. Mm -hmm. I was, I had, I've been practicing this since middle school. Mm. So how, uh, it was going to take um, some dedication. Hard work. And, and some repentance yeah. and, some, and some hard work and some uh -huh. really self-exploration. How, how am I right. going to live without pornography in my life? Mm -hmm. How, and, and I talked to many guys going, you know, I don't, is, does this ever really go away? Is this ever something that you can just, you don't think about or it's not, con, you know, it's not triggering for you over and over again, where you don't have these intense feelings. And the answer is yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. God, uh, when he speaks about the renewing of the mind, as Paul describes, yeah. that is true. We get to renew not only we get to renew ourselves in mind, body, and spirit. Absolutely. Through our, you know, when we think about the body, our brains, our neurochemistry, our um uh, but when we think about the mind, how do we regulate our emotions? How do we deal mm -hmm. with life struggles? How do we bring our spiritual selves? How do we bring Christ into every aspect of our being and mm -hmm. allow him to begin that renewing process? Right. So, yeah, I think that's, that's one of a, a lot of guys's question is, will I ever get free from this? Will I ever not have that desire or have that yeah. struggle? And I, I think, like they say in the Conquer series, I, I forget who it was, but struggle is OK. It's if we give in to that struggle. Mm -hmm. And I think people try to separate the two. Well, OK, I'm here. But am I struggling? And can I get free from this? And everybody's spouse, I think, says, when's the next shoe going to drop? Will he ever get free from this? How do I know mm -hmm. 
five years, 10 years, 20 years from now, we're not going to go back into this cycle again. And I'm going to be right where I was before. And how does, how do you alleviate that? Or how do you uh, kind of minimize that concern? Because it's real, it's everywhere. Mm -hmm. And in in society, Mm -hmm. it's everywhere in the church. And that's why I appreciate what you're doing is the church needs to know how to help people. And continually, like you said, this is not just, okay, I'm done. This is good for the rest of my life. I don't have to worry about it. Well, it, yeah. yeah, I think one thing that was really cool in, in a church was, I think it was Pure Desire, our friends at Pure Desire, did this visual of the church sanctuary. And you know what the statistics are, and hopefully they come out with some new ones soon because these were old. Mm-hmm. But they did a, a color-coded picture. They colored in all the men statistically that struggle with porn in the church. Mm-hmm. Back then it was 68%. You know, and then they colored in the women that struggle with porn in the church. Mm-hmm. And back then mm-hmm. it was a third. So right there, you know, he colored in all those. And then they, I think they did the pastors too. 50% of pastors struggle with this. Um, but the last color they didn't color in was how many other people are affected by this in the church. So maybe mm-hmm. you don't struggle with it. Maybe um, you're not one of those, but you're a spouse of one who does struggle with it. And you're a child of, of, of somebody who, does struggle with it and the impact mm-hmm. of pornography mm-hmm. and the, the ripple effects throughout the family, throughout the church, throughout everywhere um, is just so impactful. And I think it's at the church and, and books like yours are really doing great things to help the church realize and do something about it. It's tough. It is tough. And uh, you mentioned some very significant things and in, uh, you know, there's an older statistic that's showing that in 56% of divorce cases a day, a major contributing mm-hmm. factor is one spouse's ongoing use of pornography. Right. But but for the pastor or ministry leader, listen to this. This is important that you really pay attention to this. We talked about it undermining every ministry in the church. Well, mm-hmm. so a number of universities were doing studies to examine does pornography really have that much impact? on the Christian. Mm-hmm. Is it, can't they, they, don't they just kind of compartmentalize this yeah. and it just sort of goes away? You don't really think about it. Oh, they can, re, they, they repent and they believe Christ's uh, blood covers every stain. Mm-hmm. And I believe that. Absolutely. Absolutely. However, these university studies, listen to this, these university studies showed that there was a direct correlation between their pornography use and their prayer life, their scripture mm-hmm. life, their church attendance, also their giving, their wow. how much they would volunteer. So they, uh, the University of Oklahoma found a direct correlation between how much pornography a person used and how much they would volunteer in their local church over the next six years. Wow. So if you are a pastor saying, man, I really need somebody to step up to mm-hmm. some of these different things in our church, and you're not addressing and helping people find healing and restoration, you're not creating those opportunities for healing and restoration. By the way, you mm-hmm. don't have to do all this work, pastor. I want you to know that. <laughs> um, that this healing and restoration, when they go through that kind of process, this is an opportunity for deep discipleship. And they come Mm -hmm. out on the other side of that wanting to give back. So 
Now, when I wrote The Healing Church, what churches get wrong about pornography and how to fix it, I didn't just like begin making up a bunch of stuff to give mm -hmm. you. I went to, I interviewed more than 70 pastors, ministry leaders, counselors, and others who were working in the church. And here's what I found that churches who were doing this work well, those churches were reversing all the trends mm -hmm. um, where uh, lack of scripture life and where prayer life had gone down through a safe place and a safe process, That's people were, were moving deeper into their faith. Uh, where uh, pornography before was undermining whether a person's feelings of closeness to God, very specifically, this was pornography actually reduces in these studies, mm. your feelings of closeness to God. Well, those who've gone through that deep discipleship process who has said, hey, I want this pornography out of my life. I'm tired of this. Uh, they go through that and they go on the other side of that. They, they go on fire for Christ. Mm -hmm. And because of that, they can't help but give away the freedom they received. Absolutely. So pastors were saying, Sam, you, you, you got to understand this. You got to understand this, Sam. This is really important that I don't do more now. I do less. Wow. Because now I have people say, Pastor, I'll do that. I can take on that. Uh, you need that person to have to, to be discipled. You need somebody to walk with that person for this mm -hmm. time. I can do that. And they were stepping up both in small groups, through volunteer roles, um, through prayer life, through many other aspects. Right. And a number of people, including James Reeves, says, I don't do counseling anymore because I have, because our church has discipled so many through a mm -hmm. process. Now they understand that safe process. Absolutely. And they are now able to walk others through it. So I don't have to do counseling anymore. Mm -hmm. That's, a, that's dramatic, right? That is dramatic. That is dramatic. Now the body of Christ is providing the healing. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I heard um, a friend of mine's a CSAT in this area, and he he told me not too long. Well, that's probably been a couple of years, but he he said that good quality groups you can get so much healing from a community of groups mm -hmm. that yes, I, obviously everybody, not everybody, but there's certain extreme cases that need some kind of therapy, some kind of. Uh, mm -hmm. counseling to get you through certain tra traumatic situations or mm -hmm. things that have been done to you in the past. Sure. But you can alleviate most counseling if you're in a healthy group. That group setting, that community, that safe place that you referred to in the church, you know, is just an open door to hum to healing and humility. And like you said, opening that blockade that stopped us and, and kind of stunted our growth spiritually Mm -hmm. You know, to now come back, like you said, and, and giving back. I had one guy, he he he, he didn't go to church. He, he took him away from church, and he didn't feel connected until he got into recovery. And um, he got his Bible back out, and he put it in his passenger seat. And every time he went to work, it was right there on his passenger seat. It was a reminder to him that he's a son of God and that he is a child of God and that he is not going back to where he used to be. And he's now sharing it with other people. So it's just huge, huge impact. Amen. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So what else about the book can you tell us? Or, uh... <laughs> well, I, you know, it's one thing to understand 
hey, this is how people get stuck and why they stay stuck and that we need mm -hmm. a safe place. We need a safe process. But how do we begin creating safety mm -hmm. within the local church? How do we begin creating an atmosphere where it's okay to come as you are, but we, yeah. leave you, we love you too much to leave you stuck like that? I mean, mm -hmm. we, we care about you. And we, if you're willing... Yeah, we we want to we want to walk with you. So how does that how does that happen? Right. Well, I think we really have to dive at our foundations. One of the foundational principles of the body of Christ is that we James five sixteen to confess mm -hmm. our sins to one another and pray for one another that we may be healed. And there's there's even a process there, right? There's there's right. my confession to you, Tom. And I'm I'm you're listening to my story and you're asking me questions. Mm -hmm. And and then we're seeking Christ together, right? You're not just right. oh well that sounds really bad. Let's just pray. No, no, yeah, no, you're exactly. gonna ask me some more intense questions. You're gonna really we're gonna dive in this together. Right. Mm -hmm. Um and I might say something like, uh, oh, you know, Tom, I, I just, I watched porn today. It sucked. I just, <laughs> I'm really ashamed. I'm, I, mean, I don't know. When you say, well, 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 why, what happened before that? Well, I just had a bad day. Well, mm -hmm. you had a bad day. Well, why'd you have a bad day? Well, I was, I was at work. My boss yelled at me and um, uh, I, missed the deadline and then i got in this argument with my wife and and yada 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 and mm -hmm. so you're going okay well let's let's step back into that what how did that when you were having that uh discussion with your boss how, how'd that make you feel well maybe that's honestly it, mm -hmm. i felt like you know my dad <laughs> at me again i felt this lack of self-worth like i'm never going right. to measure up right all right now so the next time you feel that sam well how are you what going what are you going to do then? Yeah. Are you going to run the porn or can you give me a call? Mm -hmm. Right. Can yeah, you, right. can you, how can you sit with that emotion and not be uncomfortable with it? Mm -hmm. What's a help, healthy coping mechanism? Right. What's so healthy, now we, now we can enter in father, you know, that Sam is, has worth. He has value. He is mm -hmm. made in your image. And you know those kind of, that that kind of prayer is restorative and rebuilding and allows the truth of my identity to enter my life, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, isn't that beautiful? It is. Wouldn't you love that every at, at your at your church at every church that uh, people are listening? Mm -hmm. But I go to a small church and they say, "Sam, you know, that's uh, that's hard. We all know each other." <laughs> <laughs> right? we know each other so our kids go to school together we play on the same yeah, right. ball teams whatever it is and uh we just to be that kind of vulnerable mm -hmm. um boy that's it's just that's too shameful yeah, especially over exactly. something like pornography or something right right? right and then i go to a large church or a mega church and and i've had uh people stop me and said sam i, I know you work for covenant eyes and uh, I'm looking for someone to be an ally. Do you, can you recommend how I can do that? Because I attend this large church, but I don't really know someone well enough mm -hmm. that I can re be that kind of vulnerable, where I can be that kind of honest. And so it's not the size of the church that's the problem. Right. right. We, we've got to ask ourselves, what part of James 5.16 mm -hmm. do we not believe? Mm -hmm. What do you think is the biggest hang up? for church leaders introducing this 
into the congregation? Is it fear? Well, is it is it um, maybe they're struggling themselves? Is it uh, I they think want to it's send such it somewhere a, else for confidentiality? They don't want to do it within the church. The shame. It, it is such a combination of things that mm-hmm. uh, pushing one button and saying, "Oh well, we can't practice James five sixteen. Well, pastor, yeah. do you tell your congregation who you're accountable to? Mm-hmm. You talk about your relationships and how that empowers your life. Um, and do you have anyone? I, I remember I was at a, a a major denominations event, and this pastor came up to me and says, "Let me get this right. You want me to go and confess my sins to somebody else?" <laughs> and I said, "Yeah." And he goes, "I don't tell anybody anything except my wife." Yeah, because they would my church and and my in my denomination they would crucify me. Mm-hmm. Wow, <laughs> that's not the body of Christ. No, that's not the no. way. That's not James five sixteen. That's not. So we need to press in this to ourselves as ministry leaders. Mm-hmm. Two, we as the the as the local church body has a hard time helping our pastors do this work well too, because. Uh, well, we can't talk about that in this kind of area. Mm. We can't talk about it over here. So where can they talk about it? I remember a pastor telling me, he says, Sam, okay, so we're going to, you want me to talk about more about this issue. But I was reading from scripture about Rahab and, uh, and, and, and she is called a prostitute in scripture. And that word was said as I'm reading the actual verse mm-hmm. And afterwards, some little ladies came up to me and said, uh, Pastor, I don't, I don't know what you're doing, but you cannot say those kinds of words <laughs> in, 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 in service. Yeah. <laughs> and he says, so what, what should I have said to them? I says, tell them to grow up. That's what you, <laughs> right. Uh-huh. Um, because we do have to lead here and mm-hmm. we do have to have these because our world is not the least bit fearful or ashamed to talk about this mm-hmm. within our culture, mm-hmm. right? On, right. on our on primetime television, you're not afraid to talk mm-hmm. about these things, et cetera. So we've got to press in to talk about these issues within mm-hmm. the local church. So there's a lot of factors that's impacting ministry leaders and how can they do this well? Well, I upset the spouse if she finds out her husband's yeah. struggling, right? So am right. I am I gonna do damage? You know, we can have those kind of conversations too. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom, as you know, there's a lot of support mm-hmm. for helping ministry leaders address things like betrayal trauma mm-hmm. and the that, yes, he, he needs to find his own healing, but she needs support too. And so Absolutely. often, uh, so there's two chapters in the book that really help us address. Okay, so he's struggling. What is, or... A spouse, a spouse is struggling. I hit both men and women, mm-hmm. but I, you know, I also help spell this out for ministry leaders, very specifically in regard to men, because m- the vast majority, the majority of ministry leaders in the church are men. So I, I mm-hmm. do very right. talk very directly about right. that aspect. But then um, uh, I invited Dr. Sherry Cuffer. Mm. Uh, you know, Dr. Sherry, yes. and she is fantastic. Uh, she wrote a book called Intimate Deception. Mm-hmm. And Great so book. I invited her to write a chapter about how does this impact, what is the impact of this betrayal on 
mm-hmm. the spouse. And um, so, and how can the church affirm that spouse? How can the mm-hmm. church support that spouse through a healing journey for both of them? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's um, funny because a lot of people, it's not funny, but it's interesting how a lot of churches want to start a program or at least guys, you know, okay, guys struggle. They want to start a program. They want help. They want to do this and that. But we always tell them, be aware. If you start and announce a program and institute a program in your church for men struggling with pornography, you better have something for the women too, because they're going to say, he's getting help. How come I'm not getting help? And like Mm -hmm. you said, with Dr. Mm -hmm. Sherry Keffer and the brain science now behind the betrayal trauma, Mm -hmm. how it affects the women's brain and how they need to renew their mind from the trauma that's been imposed on them. That's right. You know, it's, they need a place too. And like you said too, with the women that struggle, that, that percentage is going up drastically, you know, because it's everywhere. So it's, it's just, the church really has to take a stand against this and start doing something and um, helping those, because if they're not going to do it, they're going to continue to live in the world the way it is. And that way it continues to progress down this sex filled culture. Yes, and I and I uh, indeed did a a chapter on the unique ways that pornography and and sexual abuse and etc. impacts mm-hmm. impacts women. So, uh, and and finally, we begin to talk about how culture. Um, how do we how do we address the culture of our church for to make that happen? But yeah. you know, before we get too far off, I I, I yeah. wanted you know there's. You can go buy the book wherever you want to buy the book online, yeah. uh, Amazon or Barnes and Noble, etc. Wherever you normally buy books online. Again. The yeah, it's the, the again the healing church. What churches get wrong about pornography and how to fix it. But I'd love to tell your listeners just a little bit about the Victory app by Covenant House. Absolutely, because this is a great tool for all your listeners as well mm-hmm. as ministry leaders who are listening. The Victory app is free, so you can uh, re. And the reason we made it free is because we have more than about 30 courses in there that help you understand Mm. how did I get here? Why do I seem to stay stuck? And how can I take my first steps toward living and freedom? How can Mm -hmm. I begin uh, a journey that helps me better understand and equip me to set pornography aside, to begin opening up with others, to begin Mm -hmm. living this life of freedom? Mm-hmm. And um, so uh, if, if you have a moment, just Absolutely. open up your phone. And, and we also have a, a Windows or not a Windows, but a browser version of the Victory app as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, you can sign up to download the Victory app from your, your Apple Store or uh, Play Store, as well as you can uh, see it online as well. Or mm-hmm. on, on through your browser and get access to those courses. That's mm-hmm. probably a very simple way. If you're listening here going, man, I'd like to start my journey. How do I begin mm-hmm. understanding this? Because the knowledge precedes the understanding and the understanding precedes change. Mm-hmm. And as we Good. allow that, that change to be in Christ to enter that change with us, mm-hmm. uh, the body of Christ into that change with us, man, yeah. it just opens up such healing that can happen. Absolutely. Uh, so it's free. Yep. Uh, so whether you're a ministry leader and you're saying, how can I help someone today? This is simple. It doesn't, <laughs> doesn't cost anything. <laughs> of course, this is a, uh, uh, a product of Covenant Eyes. Covenant Eyes has been mm-hmm. providing 
accountability software for many years, set for 23 years now. Can you believe that? Oh, no, wow, 20, coming up on 24 years. Oh my wow. goodness. Yeah. That's awesome. And, I didn't realize uh, it was that long. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Uh, we invented the the concept of uh, internet accountability yeah. back in the day, and now it's device accountability, where it's actually monitoring mm. your screens. You get to choose someone to receive uh, an ongoing feed of what appears on your screens. It's mm. blurred before it ever leaves your device, so everything is protected. It's encrypted, etc. cetera. Uh, what but, do you say to somebody when it's blurred? This is something that just came to my mind. Um, yeah. To somebody else, that's their accountability, their ally partner. Um, to unblur something. If a, if a spouse is worried about being her husband being an accountability or an ally for somebody else, mm -hmm. can that be a triggering event for them? Well, there's no real unblurring of it. So yeah. it, it'll unblur to a certain amount. Mm. Um, um, we rate this as well. We, so you receive ratings, which eat with mm -hmm. each of the images that come through what we call the feed. And yeah. that feed is actually available within the Victory app as well. So you can use one app to both understand as well as uh, receive reports for, for others or look at your own reports when you download the Covenant Eyes app as well. So there's two mm -hmm. apps together. One is the Victory app that has the courses and okay, yeah. what we call the feed. So you can see what's coming in. And the other is the Covenant Eyes app, which is actually monitoring the device. And they work in tandem together. Gotcha. And um, so... We don't want the reason we blur is one, we want to protect any Absolutely. Um, um, any uh, critical data that's ob obfuscated. Mm. I, that's a, the technical word for it. So you don't see letters and numbers and anything mm. like that. That's those just go away. That happens before it ever leaves the device. And two, we if there is pornography that appears on the screen. I've received reports that showed pornography on the screen. Um, and they were blurred, I could tell what they were, right? I knew what was what was going on, mm -hmm. but the, the detail of it. So it made it less uh, triggering for me to right. receive that report. Right. No, that's good. Good. That's awesome. You're doing, that's why you're, your title, Covenant Eyes Director of Recovery <laughs> Education. You got a lot of education you're putting out there. And I think a lot of people think of Covenant Eyes just as accountability software and not the education you can get through them as well, through the Victory app. So that's, And that's we're never stuff. finished with the Victory app. We are yeah. constantly building new things into it. We are creating opportunities to create greater community within the app, mm -hmm. uh, opportunities to for deeper reflection, yeah. uh, and and many other things are just keep just keep watching it. It's just gonna yeah. it's we have such a grand vision for how this can facilitate and support someone's recovery. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that's great. Appreciate all you're doing, Sam, and everything that's going on at Covenant Eyes and everything you're doing with the book and, and through churches. I know you're making a huge impact all, all, all across the world, and um, I just appreciate all you do. Um, any other parting words you may have for encouragement for a, a church leader, um, an individual, or, or anyone else that's struggling? I know you said go to the Victory app for a lot of educational resources. Mm -hmm. Um if a church leader or maybe your contact information to get a hold of you for any other questions they may have or, or a church leader, how does he start the process? Who could he contact? Would he go to you directly? Um, or would you just refer the book to him? <laughs> well, <laughs> here, here's how, here's how we can go a number of ways. One, uh, our app allows you to talk or our 
website at covenanteyes.com. You can, mm-hmm. you can talk to one of our representatives um, by phone. We're the only, uh, we have a 220 team members at Covenant Eyes. So it's, wow. uh, you have some folks that you can talk to and uh, we're the only ones in our industry that provide free member care. And we call mm-hmm. it member care, not customer support, because mm-hmm. uh, we want to provide not just uh, technical support, which we do, but also care that uh, provides instruction, resources. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can receive even a counseling referral uh, through, we work with Focus mm-hmm. on the Families uh, mm-hmm. Counselor Referral System. And... Um, so that's that's just some I guess of the pieces parts there, but yeah. you can uh, you can email us, contact us, uh, support at covenanteyes.com, or if you mm-hmm. want to, uh, if you would like to reach out to uh, a ministry leader, would like to reach out to our um, our church support team. It's just mm-hmm. church, church support at covenanteyes.com, and I'll give you my email address. You can yeah. reach me directly. It is Sam Black at covenanteyes.com. There you go. Appreciate that, Sam. And if you can't get a hold of Sam, you can always contact us at Come to the Table Ministry, tableministry.com, and um, check out some of the groups and other uh, activities that we have, and we can definitely get you in touch with with Sam if you can't get him directly. So, Sam, I appreciate your... Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, one one last thing. If you want to... If you're like, I'd like to just figure out what this book is about before you order it, you can download the first chapter at thehealingchurch.com. Free. Nice. That's a great tool. That's a great opportunity for somebody to take take that first chapter and read it and and get the book. So hey, it's Christmas. Buy the book for somebody. <laughs> somebody important and dear to your life, dear to your heart. So Sam, I appreciate all the work you've been doing and great chatting with you. And thanks again and wish you all a Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Thank you. Thanks, Sam. Let me get out of here. <laughs>